Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Inside Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland and Will Vandervoort. Coming up, Clemson linebacker James Gaskey played just three plays at Virginia Tech before he was taken out of the game due to injury. How much do the Tigers need their middle linebacker if they want to play for another national championship? Last week was a weird night in Blacksburg, but the Tigers still won by 35 points. Me and LeVon will explain why it was such a weird game. Plus, we look ahead to next week's rematch with Notre Dame in the ACC championship game as we start to break down the big matchups and the keys to Clemson if it wants to win its sixth consecutive ACC championship. But before we do all of that, my Steelers are no longer undefeated after suffering their first loss last week to Washington. Now they head to Buffalo for the big AFC matchup on Sunday Night Football. Who will you put your money on? If you do plan to put some money on the game, or any game, you need to go check out the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals, to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, LeVon, man. Welcome back, buddy, this week. Um, pretty interesting week. We don't have a football game necessarily to talk about, though we're going to talk about one. Um, but, uh, man, first of all, just how how's your week been going? Uh, it's been going uh, well. You know, busy as ever, but pretty well. Um, my daughter is really happy about a video game that she's getting. But I'm not really sure... It's the, I forgot what the game is, a cyberpunk or something like that, 2777. And it's a little mature, so we got to kind of talk about it a little bit. But, you know, as a sucker dad, I kind of gave in a little bit, and we'll see what happens, man. I, I'm trusting that she's mature enough to understand and handle things. So, because I always figured this will. I mean, I think the, you can't have so many things, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you try to restrict them for doing some things, they're just going to do it anyway behind your back. So sometimes I'd just rather for her to just kind of like, okay. Um, for example, Family Guy, when she was a little younger, she was asking, could I watch South Park? And I was like, uh, no, but okay, I'd like to watch Family Guy. And I don't know if that was a better decision or not, <laughs> but I was just like, she's going to hear it anyway. She's going to hear, you know, she's going to hear about it. And if she really wants to see it, she'll sneak and see it, especially with all the technology that we have now. So, yeah, so yesterday she was pretty happy about getting this game. I'm not so sure, but. As a, um avid fan of Family Guy. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I, like, as, I like Family Guy too, though. <laughs> the reason I like Family Guy, and I'm sure all the people out here listening that do like it, like us, is because nobody's off limits. It's like they're gonna make fun of everybody, every religion, every politician, every whatever you believe in. At some point in the show's history, they've offended you, but they've done it in a funny way where you actually laugh at it and say, "Man, uh, am I really that way?" <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, like, you ever got cheese, but it was kind of funny, and they kind of 
you know, you're like, okay, yeah, that's kind of funny about me. Yeah, all right, I get it. So <laughs> I, used to, I used to do it all the time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would make, I would, I would poke fun at guys, but it would be funny. And it would be stuff that they're like, okay, that's not offensive. It's not too offensive. And I can go with it. So, yeah, I think we all win there. What's your, who's your favorite character on Family Guy? Uh, it's got kind of, a, oh, man. But, you know, when you asked me, I thought I had a clear-cut answer, but I don't know if I do. I kind of <laughs> like, I mean, Peter's definitely, <laughs> Peter's a classic, man. Hell, yeah. Peter just does stuff. He's just like, what in the world is he doing? Peter so does I, stuff I, I we all want to do. But I like Brian, too, though. I really kind of like Brian, though. Yeah, I do, yeah, too. Because Brian's that guy who thinks he's just a smart guy, but he hasn't done anything with it. He's a smart <laughs> guy, but... <laughs> a smart dog and but really has under underachieved right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's great yeah uh mine mine is uh definitely peter because i think like i said peter does stuff we all want to do right. like he'll just do it and we're like man i've always wanted to do what peter's doing but i don't have the guts to do it and then and then i i, I love stewie because stewie just says things that you're just like hold on what <laughs> Did yeah. he really just say that? <laughs> well, you, you know, I didn't know for like maybe a season or two that nobody can really understand Stewie but the dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I think is funny because I always say that babies are always trying to, to, to communicate. Like when they're toddlers or when they get to be a year old, we can't understand them, but they can understand us. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it is. It's great. Great show, man. We get I could talk about Family Guy all day. As, um, I got... You know, me and Phil Sykes, who uh, works over at Clemson, used to work in Clemson Sports Information. That's his favorite show, too. So we, like, shoot videos back and forth, the stuff we see of the of the show. And now that you're in it, I'll, I'll probably start doing that to you, too, then. So, oh, that'd um, be awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're going to share clips. <laughs> we can sh- nice. share clips, man. That just make us crack up as we're watching it. But, uh, yeah, I also want to talk to you real fast about, you know, and you were talking about as a young person being responsible and doing – you know, just trying to make sure you're doing the right things and, and things of that nature. And, you know, and it brought me right away to uh, the movie that's going to be released by Disney Plus this week uh, about former Clemson player Ray Ray McElrathby. And, and LaVon, I was at Clemson covering Clemson. I was in my second year covering Clemson when this story moved. And, um, and, I, and I talked to Ray back then and that day and wrote, wrote, wrote my version of the story. And then, um, you know, I've talked to him since he actually came over last year and, and did a studio interview with us on the website, just like you did about the movie and things of that nature. He's a great young man. Um, you know, his story and what he did at 18, 19 years old as a freshman, it's just unbelievable, man. I mean, I think back to my freshman year, I don't know if I would be that unselfish like he was with his little brother, Faymar. Yeah, I, I, I would, I, I'm with you, Will. I don't know if I would have done the same thing either. As much as I love my little sister, um, I don't know if I would have sacrificed like that or really just been afraid. And for him to do that shows so much heart more than anything that he put aside, you know, being ridiculed, being scorned by the NCAA and say, you know what, I'm just going to do the right thing. And I'm just going to take my brother in and we'll figure it all out. And that takes a lot of courage to, to do that. It takes a, a lot of courage and 
it's an amazing story. Uh, as we sat down and talked to him uh, with the Inside Blitz with LeBron Kirkland, man, it was, it's a part of it that, man, he just kind of breaks down and, you know, starts crying about the movie being made about him and his brother. It was an amazing moving moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the movie is going to be amazing. You know, Tim Bray even said that, you know, it's going to be the next Rudy, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tim says it normally is pretty true. So, yeah, it, it was amazing. And I'm glad we were able to get him at the time. It was just really good timing. Uh, you know, the, the movie comes out tomorrow and we got an opportunity with our small operations to talk to someone like that. And we, you know, we looked at it as this is a football story that we need to capture in South Carolina because it happened in South Carolina. And hopefully what it does is it inspires other folks uh, to continue to do the right thing. I think he just really trusts his gut, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, you know, they say there's a connection between the brain and the gut. So for him to make that decision and really not know what's next was phenomenal. It really was. Yeah, it it is it, an inspiring story. Um, I remember when it was all going down and and him having this situation where first he hid it for a couple of weeks as he tried to, you know, because he knew he wasn't supposed to have anybody by the way the he knew what the NCAA rules were at that time and he couldn't have uh, people living with them, family members and things of that nature. And so he hid Faymar from pretty much everybody, the team mm-hmm. and the coaches and and finally, you know, um, it came out. He, you know, somebody found out about it, and he had to have the conversation with Coach Bowden. And you know, and and it was uh, it was a pretty challenging time for him. And um, luckily, the luckily the NCAA stepped up and um, you know allowed allowed him to take care of his brother um, as a legal guardian and, and do what he needed to do to take care of him. And then the Clemson family, man, I won't forget it. How the Clemson family just rallied around him, mm-hmm. uh, coaches teammates i mean levon that he his teammates would come and like if they would pick him up if if, if he was in class his, they would say, they would go pick up famar from school and right. take him back to the facility. he'd do his homework inside the football facility at the mcfadden building he would do his homework in there and then he'd go to practice and so he got to hang around the coaches wives would watch him they would babysit him when 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 ray had to do study hall or, or other classes it was just a it's a a great story about how the Clemson community just kind of wrapped their arms around him and his little brother and, and, and made him feel like, Hey, you're not alone. We're going to help you get through this. Just a great touching story. And I'm glad to see it on the big screen. And Tim's right, man. Um, and Tim was there with Rudy when, when Rudy went down at Notre Dame, he was actually there. And then he was there for this experience as well. And I agree with him. This is the new Rudy movie. It's, it's a touchy movie that I think people will, be able to grasp and feel like they're a part of for years and years to come, you know, just like we have with Rudy all these years. Yeah, there's no question about that. And it's good to see people rallying around a good cause. And I think because it was the right thing to do, people kind of, they understood that because, you know, we all have siblings or we all have family members. And sometimes you just need to step up and do the right thing. And that's what he did. And I think what it helped the NCAA realize is that, you know, we're not very grounded. You know, we, we got all these rules and we got all these regu- uh, regulations, but 
we have not been on the ground level in so long. And I think this helped the NCAA really understand that, you know what, there are circumstances. You know, you can have a hard, a hard rule, but there are circumstances that it has to change your mind, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think the NCAA had to grow uh, during that point because what they really saw underneath all the rules that a kid was just doing the right thing by his brother. He didn't have any family. He didn't have anything else. He couldn't just send him off to a, a relative. Mm-hmm. He was the only one. And he wasn't going to let him go into the system because, you know, fairly or unfairly, the foster care system is really not always the greatest system in the world. A lot of kids get left behind and get lost, man. You're not, you're talking about not having a family and going and being shuffled to different families. Can you imagine how that would feel? I mean, if our parents were not there, we didn't have family to just be going from family to family to family. That's no way to live. And I, I just really thought Ray Ray did the exact right thing. And people, they realized that they got behind him. And it was really incredible. I was at Clemson at that time too. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like, wow, you know, it made you wonder like, man, would I have been that mature enough to, are that bold really to make that decision and say, hey, you're coming with me. I'm not letting you, I'm not letting you go through the system, even though there may be a price that I may have to pay. And this kid got suspended and all these things went along. Um, it, it was like, a, I'm telling you, well, the, I guess there's a reason why it's a movie, but it was like the NCAA was the tormentors, man. And they were just, you know, trying to find every rule not to do it. But mm-hmm. then I think their consciousness took hold and say, you know, this kid's not doing anything really wrong. He's doing the right thing can we totally be against a kid doing the right thing by his family member, his brother? And they they finally kind of came through and said, okay, this is the right thing. This is what we need to do. Yeah. It's a, it's a great story. It's going to be on Disney plus premieres uh, Friday night. Um, so, uh, you know, check that out. I know we're going to be doing, it. I know you're going to be doing it and, um, you know, seen parts of it already, um, you know, through the, through the, um, you know, the press stuff they've allowed us to do as we've gone up to get ready for this and, it's going to be fun, and, and Ray's a great guy. Famar is a great young man now. I can't believe Famar's grown up, dude. It's just weird. Know, man. It's, it's, it's just weird. You know, I remember him as a little guy, you know, but, hey, that's what happens. That's life. Everybody grows up. But it's great to see see them doing well and, and this movie be about them. And, um, you know, so check it out if you can. Um, and um, check out LaVon's podcast, too, um, the, the LaVon Kirkland Blitz Sport, Football Blitz. What you call it, LaVon? What's the official word? The inside Blitz with LaVon Kirkland. There you go. Yeah, check yeah. check out that. Uh, LaVon's going to be – you know, he talks to Ray on that, and that, that's that's going to be a great interview. So check that one out, too, as well. Um, and um, but LaVon, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on, and we'll get – we got a lot to cover, I guess. And one thing we want to do is, first of all, is kind of review the Virginia Tech game a little bit. Um, I thought – I was up there, and it was a weird game. It was a weird atmosphere because there's no fans in the stands. Um, there's only 250 people in the in the whole building, so you can hear everything that's being said by the coaches and players. And that was weird. It was like watching a scrimmage, to be honest with you. It was a, yeah. it was a, it was like a stadium football scrimmage, is what it reminded me of. Um, that was weird. And then the game was weird, man. I'm gonna tell you, it was just um, way Virginia Tech played. It's like they were playing. You know, you've seen a bad soccer team play a really good soccer team, right? And mm-hmm. so they pretty much just play defense the whole time. They never attack. 
And so they just try to keep the game close. So it's like one to nothing or two to nothing instead of like four or five to nothing. I'm sure you've seen those kind of soccer matches. And that's what it reminded me what Virginia Tech was doing because they were just, they sit there. And normally, so people know, Virginia Tech is a fast tempo, get up to the line scrimmage, run play offense. Well, they went the exact opposite against Clemson because they're so beat up on defense and they're so bad on defense that they were just trying to keep Clemson from getting the ball as much as possible. And um, so they they sit there and melt that clock, play clock to 13 seconds, quickly break the huddle, run some motion stuff. And for the first half, it worked. They, they kept themselves in the game and, and kept Clemson off balance. Well, it did work. I mean, all the way, basically all the way to the third, to be honest with you. And the game was really, really in the balance. And at one point in time, especially the last play of the second uh, second quarter, mm-hmm. you know, they get a break where we're trying to catch an interception, which is usually a just a cardinal rule of not doing it. And it tipped to the other player. It was really close from him getting a touchdown on that play. Mm-hmm. So that would have been, it would have been 17-17 at that point in time. So Virginia Tech did a great job of keeping the Tigers at bay. And then also with the switch in quarterback, it was something that I don't know if we were really quite adjusted to. So uh, the first the first guy gets hurt. They bring in somebody else. It's a little different player. And I've been on that side where <laughs> where you stop one person and he's out, and then you bring in another person, they play lights out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what in the world is going on? And then you kind of adjust to it. So, yeah, it, it was it, – it, you know, I don't ever want to say, and I never want to criticize young players or college players. And you know me, Will, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I did think that, you know, no no people in the stands, it was a strange game. And a lot of times, you know, it takes, it takes guys a little bit of time to get accustomed to that type of play or that type of atmosphere. And I think it, I think it took the Tigers a little bit of time to get you know, past that, and then after that, man, they they really got rolling with some um, with some uh, turnovers and some scores. So yeah, strange game, man. Especially you know in Blacksburg, man. This I, I remember going there. We got stuck in traffic one time. It was like we it took us another thirty minutes to get to the stadium, and the stadium <laughs> was kind of tough to get to anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it was just kind of a strange place, especially at night. And that's kind of how it worked out with the Tigers, but they were fortunate enough to come away with the win and and, and do their thing and keep in, you know, keep in line with um, making it to the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, you know, one of the cool things about uh, you know, and I think they've been doing it all year, but I think that was the first time we actually saw it on TV was uh, Clemson's uh, – they do the alma mater at the end. And so the Dabo at the beginning of the season when they realized, you know, the band couldn't travel and all that stuff and the cheerleaders and all that. So uh, Dabo, you know, got with his video departments like, hey, what can we do to make sure we can at least have the alma mater be played at the end of every game because we want to keep that tradition going. And so – they, they've, you know, uh, Henry Guest, former teammate of yours, um, works in the video department. Clemson. Henry downloaded the album mater on his phone, and uh, 
took the speakers. They take the speakers with them on road games, and they, they sit there and play the album auto at the end of the game through the through the speaker through Henry's phone. And uh, it, it's and it was pretty cool to see that the other day. I have to admit that was pretty cool that uh, Dabo thought like that to say, "Hey, look, we want to make sure we continue to do what makes you know being a part of Clemson special." And doing the album auto at the end of the game, win or lose, is something they've always done. And you know, and and, and kudos to Coach Sweeney and, and the people to pull that off and and to make it still special for the players the best they can. And so to see the team sit there huddled where the band would necessarily be, mm-hmm. <laughs> acting like the band's there and doing that, I thought that was pretty cool, man. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, uh, of course. And you know, Dabo does a really good job of I think thinking ahead and always uh, I'll tell you, he really have a limitless kind of mindset as far as his approach to football is concerned. And he's always thinking like, what can we possibly do? It's always more of a, a positive solution than a negative solution. He never comes to a negative solution about mostly anything uh, his last few years. So yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised that, you know, Clemson has done that. But, you know, through this whole monster of a year, this whole monster of a football season, you look at the teams that are ahead and it tells you a lot about their their program. It tells you a lot about, you know, the Alabama, the Notre Dames, you know, the Clemson, Ohio State, that those teams, although they're suffering through COVID as well as everybody else is, that because they're such good programs, solid programs, they're they're more so than anybody able to keep things in place and able to have what we would call a successful season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised that Clemson is um, that they do things like that. Even with things that you think don't matter, they're they're doing a great job of making sure that the morale is up and that they're being as normal as possible. Um. The, the game the other day, it kind of going back a little bit, but it kind of goes into our next topic, um, was weird. We talked about how weird it was, right? And so the first series of the game, middle linebacker James Skalski's in there with Tyler Davis, and they pretty much shut Virginia Tech down that first series. No issues. Uh, Virginia Tech, after after Clemson scores the the field goal on the on their opening possession, um, they come. Virginia Tech comes back out there, and all of a sudden Skalski's not in the game. And you're like, okay, where's 47? What's he doing? I'm looking over the sideline. He's sitting by Brent Venables. He's he's holding his hand, it looks like. Um, and I'm like, what in the world's going on? Come to find out, he had a um, he had issues with his uh, sports hernia, if you will, groin um, uh, that he had surgery on and just felt uncomfortable, I think it was the word Dabo used, uh, a little sore. And uh, so they decided just for cautionary reasons to just take him out and not, not play him because obviously they felt like maybe they didn't need him. To me, you know, and you saw what did Virginia Tech do? He's not in there. What did they go and do? Went right down the field and scored a mm-hmm. touchdown on Clemson. And and really, after that, Clemson had a hard time, at least until the second half, to kind of get that under control um, to adjust. And I know injuries happen, and, you know, that will caught, catch you by surprise at times. But, again, it showed what we've been talking about with Tyler Davis and James Skowski. When those guys aren't in the game for Clemson, the defense just isn't the same, LeVon, and it's yeah. they do struggle when the, when those two guys are not in, and that's that's concerning as you get into the postseason. They still haven't figured that out if one of those two guys aren't in. 
Yeah, it, you know, teams usually have what we call a chemistry, and teams usually, when a guy has been there as much as Skowski has been there, you have a confidence because you know that he's going to do the right thing. He's going to make you correct. So when you don't have him in there, you're not as you're not as good. And I'm not saying you don't have depth and you don't have guys that are capable, but maybe there's the belief in the guy, especially with the defensive line, the belief in the guy that's behind you may not be there as much, you know, and sometimes you, you have holes. And Scousey was really good as far as making, making plays, making sure he's in the right spot. Now you're not as sure. And I'm not saying as far as the play play design, but I'm saying, you know, who's ever back there at linebacker now? Guys are like a little iffy. They're, they're, they won't say they won't say it, but you can see it. You can see it. You can see that the quality of the defense is not as good when he's not in there. And yeah, that's a, that's a concerning thing, especially if you're talking about going all the way to the championship game and winning the championship. You got to be fortunate, and a lot of times. You got to be healthy. If you can be healthy and injury-free, that really plays a part in a, a long run in the playoffs. And, you know, with him not being there, not saying it can't be done at all, but you don't feel as comfortable with our defense when he's not in the game. Yeah, and we've seen it now several times. As it goes all the way back to last year's national championship game. He Remember, he gets the targeting call there, and um, I think at the start of the third quarter, and Really, the Clemson defense was never really the same after that, and um, and then and then of course we've seen him injured, banged up all year, and it just seems like when he's not in the game, along with Tyler Davis, that they just it's not the same. And I think with Skowski, he's the quarterback of the defense. I mean, he yeah. he he's the guy, he's the middle linebacker, he's the guy that lines everybody up. He's making sure, hey, look, you know, you you need to slide this way, um, you you, you know, whatever, or when the looks like the, you know. He recognizes things. He sees things. He's the guy that they look to to make sure, as you said, make sure everything's everybody's on the same page, and uh, the defense is ready to go. And I think that's what um, Clemson's missing when he's not there. And it's not. And, and first of all, as we all know, Jake Venables broke his arm, and we wish him a speedy recovery. As he yeah. went in there and did his best to replace him, and, and ended up getting hurt. Uh, I think got right at the end of the first quarter. There, he got hurt. So, you know. Um, you, you you just you know it seems like though that they've just had issues with with that when he's not in the game and I don't know what they can do to fix that um you know I don't know if Patterson I think he's gonna be one of the guys if he doesn't play he'll be his backup and and first of all let's let's talk about those two guys first of all um Levante Bentley wow right I mean yeah. oh man it, it, I don't know if his job is just go get him <laughs> he gets in there and it's like go get the guy because when he goes in there he just blows things up and well, I really like him. Well, sometimes you you know, like a lot of times you have a guy who has a lot of potential. You have you have a guy who's athletic who can play, and when he's not playing, there's normally one or two things, and probably the number one thing is you're not quite comfortable with him in the game, as far as the coaches is concerned. Right. He may do the wrong thing. Trust me, when I was my first year at Clemson, I was that guy. I can I will make plays, but. Because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really as familiar with the defense. I would make a lot of wrong plays too, but I would make a lot of right plays. And after a while, the Clemson coaching staff was just like, just let him play. 
another familiar story is Joey Porter when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Joey was a defensive end when he was at Colorado State. When he came to Pittsburgh, they had him stand up as an outside linebacker. And it wasn't that um, Joey could not understand the defense. He just wasn't very familiar with the position. Mm-hmm. It was funny. As players, we recognized how good Joey was. And we were just like, we'll handle it. Don't worry about it. Because, you know, they're just like, I don't know, we should put him in. He makes these mistakes. So Jason Gildon, myself, and Earl Holmes would make sure Joey did the right thing. We would say, okay, Joey, you're you're rushing. And Jason used to be on the other side, like, you go, I'm, I'm dropping. He, we would just communicate to Joey because guess what? That we knew that dude can make a play. And sometimes it's about making a play. We need somebody who can make the play. And sometimes you just got to let that guy just go out there and just like, sometimes the other guys got to cover for him. Hey, right. man, you go make a play, go to the ball, we're coming for you. I don't know if you really always want to depend on that in college football, but we did it in the pros with Joey Moore. <laughs> and he ends up being an all-time player with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Because sometimes you have to recognize what you have and you have to work with it, especially if it's talented and it can move and it can make plays. You can't get so caught up and, well, he didn't drop or he didn't get to the hash or he didn't get to the number. Man, hey, man, sometimes, hey, just go to the ball, dude. Just go to the ball and we will cover up for you in some kind of capacity. So, yeah, I mean, I thought he was encouraging. I mean, when a kid makes plays like that, to me, that's a positive sign. Absolutely. And I, I think they, they think he's going to be a great one. And his the way he comes after guys and hits, it reminds me of Keith Adams. We haven't seen anybody hit like that, in my opinion, yeah. since Keith Adams. Remember, Keith Adams, they call him the termite. He would just come through there and just plow through people and just – go get the quarterback, and that's all he did, and he did as well as anybody Clemson's ever had. Um, and that was that's who he remi- – I haven't seen that since Keith Adams, that kind of like just, you know, uh, old school, like when you guys played and Jeff Davis played. That's kind of like – that's what it reminded me of, watching him hit the other day. And he's done that all every time he's come in. And you, you know, sometimes you need – he's a spark, you know. It's just like in basketball, sometimes a guy comes off the bench, man, and he just provides you energy. And that's what I see Bentley doing. I mean, let him go in there and provide you energy. Let him get get after the quarterback a little bit. It'd be something that's new that people haven't seen. They have a game plan. So, yeah, you know, when you – I'm always encouraged, and I always like to see guys who can make plays because you can teach him the scheme. He can eventually learn the scheme. Like I said, that was me, my redshirt freshman year. What the what – the, Coaches realized, Coach Ford, um, Brother Oliver, uh, Tommy West, that, hey, man, although he may make a mistake once in a while, man, he made plays. <laughs> He's going to get you a sack. He's going to get your interception. He's going to make a play. Let's, hey, let's put him in there, put him in the right position to make plays, and we can deal with the other stuff a little later. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do. Now, I will say this. Uh, Dabo said that Skowski's going to play against Notre Dame, that they feel good, that he's going to be fine. They just, it was more just he was a little sore, so they took him out. Um, didn't feel like there's nothing to worry about. And, um, you know, maybe he said it, maybe it was a little bit of cold. I don't know. 
I don't know what exactly it was, but he said he's going to play against Notre Dame. That's good news for Clemson. Uh, we'll see how how much he gets to play in that game because I think with Tyler Davis and you know we're going to talk about this ACC championship game now. I think with Tyler Davis and James Skowski in the game playing defense, Clemson is a totally different team. They are one of the best defenses in the country, probably the top two or three when those two guys are in the game, and there's evidence of that. Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Miami. When those two two guys are in the game, though, look how dominant Clemson was in those three games. And I'm just sorry, they're just a different team. A team Notre Dame has not seen right now, and especially Notre Dame that's going to have Levant, a freshman center, mm-hmm. playing against Clemson, who's going to be making his uh, second start, uh, third start, excuse me. And uh, you could tell after they got a little bit of film on him, after he played against North Carolina and they got a little bit of film on him, Syracuse saw some things, mm-hmm. and they they really confused him. And that defensive tackle for Syracuse, um, he got after that center um, in that game several, several times. And my whole thing is this, man. If he had a problem with Syracuse and their defensive tackle, way he gets a load of Brent Venables and, and Tyler Davis. Um, yes. So it's going to be something to watch. What do you think? Yeah, no question about it. You know that Tyler Davis is going to make a difference. We've been talking about that all season long, how Tyler Davis is one of those um, Grady Jarrett guys that can push the pocket, uh, can cause havoc in the running game. And now the guy who backs up him can come in spots. You know, that's why depth is so important. But you don't want to lose your starters, you know, especially a starter like him because – he just makes such a difference in the game. And you spell him every once in a while. You give him a little break, and then he comes back there with some more energy. When he's not in there, the guy who's behind him, although maybe a very good player, he doesn't provide what Tyler does. And that's why Tyler is the star. And that's why we recognize, and I think people who know the game, understands the defensive line play, know that Tyler Davis makes a, a big difference in that game. And so, yeah, he's going to have a little problem. But I always, you know, from my Pittsburgh days, this is what I always understood. You kind of pick that offensive lineman that you can go after a little bit, that you can, if you feel like you can confuse him or movement really gets to him, you go after him. And I, I can see I can see Clemson doing that. I can see them going after Hey, if they do it anyway. <laughs> you know, they're going to they're gonna be proactive, as we always say. But, yeah, when you have a young guy that hasn't started a lot of games, you've got to go after him. You've got to test him. I mean, he may play great, but, you know, this is like having a bulletproof window. Still got to shoot at it to see if it, see if it works. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I'm sure they're going to go after him. They should go after him. They shouldn't. You know, they should do a lot of movement and see if he can handle it. If he can handle it, then you adjust. Yeah. the An interesting matchup this time, and if you go back two years ago to the Cotton Bowl, um, and I bring that game up because Clemson had their four dogs up there, you know, that just really without – I mean, Dexter Lawrence wasn't playing in that game, obviously, but – but they did have Christian Wilkins and they had Cleveland Farrell and they had Austin Bryant and, and Albert Huggins, who was playing great, filling in for Lawrence, was, did a lot of great things as well. So they were really solid up front. Um, and Christian really dominated that game, how he pushed the pocket. 
and he really pushed Ian Book into the defensive ends and really kind of flushed him to either go right or left and didn't let him feel comfortable in the pocket at all, didn't allow him to step forward or anything of that nature to where he sees those rush lanes and he can get out of there. Um, you know, and I remember Clemson did did a lot of zone in that. They played a lot of zone behind those front four and didn't really bring a lot of those exotic looks or pressures that they've done in the past. And I think we saw some of that last week against Virginia Tech um, where they kind of like when they saw the backup quarterbacks coming in, okay, let's, let's see what they could do. Kind of just let their front four get pressure. They did that against Pittsburgh a lot too. And Brian Kelly even noticed it that they didn't bring as much pressure. Um, you know, when he was talking earlier this week um, uh, about the, the difference in Clemson maybe than before, they, they brought a lot of pressure last time because they didn't have Tyler Davis and they were just trying to make sure they could collapse the pocket a little bit. Um, and, and, and so when you watch the Syracuse game early, when Syracuse was really getting after him, and Syracuse got, as we saw when they played Clemson, they got very good defensive backs. I mean, they're really strong on the back end. And they played a lot of zone against Notre Dame. And Ian Book struggled. He yeah. struggled to make those throws. And, you know, I think you're going to see a game plan now that Clemson has that front four in place. You know, when you got Xavier Thomas back now, making plays, being Xavier Thomas, you got. Justin Maskell has been a beast all year. Miles Murphy has been unbelievable all year. KJ Henry can make plays. You got uh, Brian Brzee and Tyler Davis and and Niles Pickney and Jordan Williams. Now you got all those parts in place to where you can just let that front four go, Levon, and just let them get pressure. And if they can get pressure, in my opinion, um, it, without having to blitz, without having to bring those linebackers. There's no way I feel totally confident. There's no way Ian Book's going to be able to get the ball down the field. Well, I think you hit it on the head, but Ian Book does very well, especially in a third down situation. If you don't rush those lanes the way you should, he'll find it. And now he's going to get, if he doesn't get the first down, he's going to get very close to the first down. So now you're in a fourth and one situation. Notre Dame takes pride in being a physical team and just say, hey, we're just going to mash you. We're just going to get this first down. We're going to just run it. We're going to run it to the C or D gap and make you pay. Now, as a defense, you got to go back to another series of downs, and that can wear you out a little bit. And I also feel, too, because their line is so experienced, they have a veteran line, that they'll, they, they can pick up a blitz probably better than a lot of people can. You know, mm-hmm. They could be able to let guys go. They understand – the blitz package and how to maintain the blitz package. So I think that a lot of times you make Ian Book win with his heart. You make him, you force him to throw in those windows that he, that, I mean, I think most guys should step back and say, hey, I'm just going to throw it, uh, throw it deep, seeing one of my big guys is going to get it. But when you have to kind of read the defense, you have to throw that ball there. I think he has a little bit of problems doing that. Mm-hmm. He really does. I, I think when you try to, when you run out of your lanes, you're trying to get the sack on him. That's when he kills you because they got a good offensive line and he's able to escape and make some plays with his legs. So what you have to do is uh, make sure you're keeping them in that pocket, condensed in that pocket, and you have to make him throw the ball. In his own concept, a lot of times, it's not always easy to get him in there. 
man to man, you know, you just saying, hey, beat him. <laughs> if you can beat him, you can beat him. I can make that easy throw. That's why a lot of times when you blitz a lot, if you run anything inside, you see it, it's open. And most fans think that our DBs are not any good. Not that. It's just hard to cover man-to-man, especially when you don't get there. So it's a risk and reward uh, kind of defense sometimes. If you don't get back there, then you're asking your DBs to do something that's really tough to do. That's like cover for four to five seconds. Mm-hmm. It's just tough to do. And usually the passing lanes are very easy because it's usually stuff that's inside or, hey, I got a guy who's 6'3", I'm just going to throw it up and let him rebound. So I, I think you have to be – smart against Notre Dame and sometimes you just have to be maybe less complicated and just say hey boys hey D-line hey you don't have to get after them plain and simple we have to make plays on the defensive line linebackers you have to make your you're gonna have to make your tackles we're gonna have to be you know we don't have to cover we're gonna have to understand our zones and not letting them get big plays if Clemson can eliminate that they're going to be fine in this game because on the other side, you got Trevor Lawrence back. And Trevor Lawrence gives our offense a calmness about him that they're going to be okay, that they're going to drive. And you know that, man, Trevor can, Trevor can throw in every spot. So having him back is a big-time plus. But like you said, having Tyler Davis, having Skalski, those guys – it's going to be a big plus for us. As long as we don't give these guys any big explosive, we'll be fine. We'll be okay. So how how excited are you about the rematch? I mean, is this – you've been kind of looking forward to it since that game uh, a month ago? Yeah, because, you know, it was a game that, honestly, Clemson really should have won. Even with everything that went on, they should have won. It was just that one drive, that really that one pass – that kind of kind of beat us, even though all these other things happen. You know, the fumble with ETN, uh, just that big run on the second play that kind of gave them like, yeah, we could play with Clemson mm-hmm. kind of thing. So now you're thinking like, hey, we got a we got a, a quarterback back. Um, we got some guys on defense as back. It should be a better game for Clemson. So yeah, as a as a Clemson guy, you feel better about this game. Now the game still has to be played on the field, but you feel better because you simply got some pieces that you didn't have before. It's almost like when we played Alabama in that championship game, the one that we won the second one around. When we lost that first one, I was telling people like, listen, we didn't have Williams, we didn't have Kane, we didn't have some of our big guns. If we had so, if we'd have had those guys, it would have made a difference. And as you saw, it made a big time difference. So I see the same thing with this game. Um, the first time we played Notre Dame, we didn't have all our pieces. Now that we have all our pieces, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, I think you know. I, I just did. You know, things happen in the game, like Etienne's fumble, that don't always happen the next right. time around. You know, so. To me, you know, that's, you know, the chances of that happening, them getting a non-offensive touchdown are slim to none. Um, so you look at that and say, okay, that's seven points. Then you you, th- you take in, to me, Tyler Davis is worth seven points, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, you look at that. So if you go with their what they had at the end of regulation, not counting overtime, 
So if it's 33-33, so what does that mean? Well, they, that to me means they probably were 19 points worth of that in that game. That Clemson actually would have given up if those guys were there and that freak play with Etienne doesn't happen where he basically hands the ball to the linebacker. Um, you won't see that happen again if you tried it 100 times. You know, um, so then you throw in to me Trevor Lawrence. And <clears throat> again, I thought DJ played tremendous. And, uh, but he couldn't run the zone read because he was hurt. You could tell Notre Dame knew that because they didn't even respect it. You know, they went right after those ends crashed and went right after Travis Etienne the whole time. Uh, never once froze on anything. And you, now you put Trevor in there who's healthy. He can run the quarterback runs. He can run the zone reads. He can run the RPOs. Um, you got a four, all, full arsenal of what he can do and then what he can throw. And then you got Cornell Powell, who now has emerged as a deep threat. And that's going to be different now for Notre Dame, where they're going to have to say, well, he just proven it's not just the one game he did against us. He's done it against everybody since. So the safeties are going to have to respect that, you know, that that's there. And the guy who's thrown him the ball is there now. Um, to me, that's 14 points for Clemson. I mean, right. that's 14 more points added on to the 33 that they earned because Notre Dame didn't give Clemson anything in that game. They had no turnovers, right? So Clemson earned all 33 of those regulation points. Um, I, I know people are going to say I'm crazy, but I think Clemson's three touchdowns better. I think it's, if I predict a score right now, my score prediction would be 47-19. I know that sounds, I know that sounds crazy. No, that's bold. But it's bold, and people will say, "What are you nuts?" But I know what I saw with my own eyes, Levon. I saw a Clemson team that was playing hurt and banged up, and if you will, their JVs. And they nearly went in there to Notre Dame, who was playing healthy and with everybody, and played their best game. They did because they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't have hardly any penalties. They Ian Book played out of his mind. They were able to run the ball. The defense made some plays when they had to. They played a special teams was great for both teams in that game. Notre Dame played out of their mind. Clemson didn't play out of their mind. Clemson didn't play a great game. Clemson was banged up also, and yet almost won the game, even though Notre Dame had everybody and played out of their mind and needed double overtime to beat Clemson's basically JV team. And then, you know, also give it a factor, though, they're playing at home. It's not the capacity crowd that they normally have, mm -hmm. but – I think playing at home does still makes a difference. You know, you don't have to travel as much. You're a little bit more rested. You don't have to go through all the things that you have to go through now through this pandemic. But also, too, I, I think will be a concern of Notre Dame is, is that Clemson has some really good tight ends that can stretch the field a little bit, Galloway and Allen. And I would like to see them use that a little bit i like to see them, you know, test those linebackers in coverage and throw down the seams or, you know, maybe throw seven routes with those guys. I think the tight ends can really make a difference. And we didn't really show it a lot in the first game with Notre Dame. And I think it, it would be curious if we kind of go at Notre Dame from a passing standpoint where we're hitting them between the hashes. And if we can do that, that would eliminate a lot of that, hey, we're going to cheat up on the box and we're going to make sure we stop ETN. Um, we pretty much had to try to get ETN going. And, you know, they were right there. You know, they were going to play that run and they were going to play it tight. Now that you got Trevor Lawrence back and that you got 
the tight ends and the quality that we have. I'm like, let's test them between the hashes and see what they got. And I think that will loosen them up a little bit. And now that running game can get going uh, the way we want them to get going. A lot of times you don't always have to go at the running game by saying, hey, we're going to run the ball first. Mm-hmm. You can get to the running game in different aspects of it. And I think a lot of times when a team has maybe a hole or a weakness or something that they haven't seen a lot of, you test them and you go after them. You don't have to always have the same game plan, game in, game out. You, you have to put – when you don't put the defense on its heels – then you're going to be in trouble, especially a good defense. If you if you run the same stuff that they're expecting, oh, it's over with. They're going to stop you behind the line because they know what's going on. But if you can give them some different looks and you can give them some different things and you're doing something that they haven't quite seen on, well, really, in, uh, in th- you know, they, you can say things in theory, but when you put it on the field, it's a whole different story because that Galloway kid, can absolutely run down the scene. He really can. And I like David Allen. I like what he can do. He can do. So if you test Notre Dame between the hashes, I think I'd be curious to see how they respond because we didn't do that last game. So um, I think that's another way that you can, can challenge and beat Notre Dame is making sure that your tight ends get that ball, that you play action pass, that they're not so keyed up on the run, that they don't know. And then – like you said before, you got Trevor Lawrence in there who can actually pull the ball and get some nice yardage of what he did against Virginia Tech. He can do that, especially in the red zone. That's hard to defend when you got so many things to defend. Uh, but when you become one-dimensional, it's basically easy for almost any defense to defend what you do. Even if they're not that, even if they're not a really good team, when you become one-dimensional, you make that other team better because they know exactly what you're trying to do. I think Clemson has to throw them a little bit off schedule, off page a little bit in order to be effective. Then as the game goes along, now you can kind of run what you normally run. And now I think there's going to be some holes because you can get, you can get Travis, um, you can give him some touches. And only thing Travis needs is a crease, you know, if you give him a crease, he's going to break it. He's going to break a tackle. That's what good running backs do. You give him the rock because you know, after a while, they don't they don't want that they don't want that business. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't want that business. It's going to be an arm tackle. The energy won't be as high, and then that's when he can be the most effective. Um, I think if you try to run him so early and so often, you know Notre Dame understands that they're going to get after him. But I think if you can get some play action pass and you can test them between the hashes, maybe you cook them with hot grease. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and and you know, the last two weeks the running game has has shown remarkable improvement. It really has. I thought again, go back to what they did against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, <clears throat> I've never I like the way the NFL does running statistics where if a quarterback's sacked, that goes on the passing stats, not the rushing stats. I've never been a fan of college football where they take away the rushing yards on a sack. Um, so when you look at Pittsburgh and Clemson gained 173 yards rushing against Pittsburgh and then a couple sacks, three sacks took, you know, I think 26 of those yards away. So it was like 147 is what they finished the game with. 
But they ran basically, though, what Travis Etienne in the running game did with those other running backs, too, was gain 173 yards. Those guys did. And that's really good against a defense like Pittsburgh. That was actually the most Pittsburgh's given up all year. Um, and so, you know, you saw improvement there, and then they carried that over to Virginia Tech where they ran for 238 yards, uh, really controlled the line of scrimmage, especially in the second half. And, LeVon, they did it with only 51 total offensive plays. So it's not like they they had a lot of opportunities, you know. So, you know, so when you consider that they averaged, I think it was like almost eight yards per rush against Virginia Tech, they averaged over five yards per carry against Pittsburgh. You're seeing improvement in the running game that you want to see consistent. And there's a lot of reasons why we're seeing that. They changed things up a little bit on the offensive line, simplified some things. I think that's helped. Um, I think you're seeing a um, situation where, you know, Cornell Powell has emerged as a deep threat, and that's now kind of taking that safety away where you don't have that extra safety creeping up into the box. Um, that's helping a little bit. Um, you know, we have seen them throw to the tight ends more here in the last couple of weeks than they have previous. Um, and I think that, as you mentioned, that's helping um, a little bit. And so when I look at this Notre Dame game and people have asked me, you know, they only had 34 yards rushing against Notre Dame, which was the matches the lowest Dabo Sweeney's ever had in a Dabo Sweeney football team's ever had and the, the lowest since 2011. OK, so you, in other words, Clemson, you don't hold Clemson down that much usually. Right. So I've had Clemson fans ask me, what do you think will – how many yards does Clemson need to run to win this game? And my number is 100. I think if Clemson runs for 100 yards, then they're going to run away with this game. Now, right. you know, because that's all they're going to need to set everything else up. What do you think? How, how many yards rushing do you think Clemson needs to win this football game? Well, yeah, I see it around definitely 100 yards or so. Uh, because that has an effect on the defense. Uh, when you can run the ball effectively, it takes the physicality out of the defense. It takes the energy out of the defense. So now you're just not an effective because defense is energy. I've said that numerous times. Defense is energy. And when you can sap the defense, the, the biggest way you can sap that energy out of the defense is you pound them. You run right at them. And you make them tackle well. <laughs> you make them disciplined. And I'm going to tell you, after a while, guys going to be doing – they're going to – they're not going to be as disciplined because, I mean, that fatigue makes a coward of us all. And now we're going to try to find the easy way out. <laughs> so maybe I run behind – you know, maybe I try to escape this guy the easy way. Maybe I go under a block or maybe I just take the easiest exit. Out of a lot because I just don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to battle this guy that knows exactly where he's going, and I don't. So I may try to cheat a little bit to conserve some of that energy. So that's why running the ball is always effective. You, you don't have to run it on everybody. And maybe you don't even have to get 100 yards, but you have to be effective in the running game. I truly believe, especially against a team like Notre Dame. And also, like I said before, and I've always said this, that linebackers in in the college game are not always the great the greatest cover guys. They're not. Uh, they usually fall for the play action pass. They really they really don't pattern read that well, and that's where your tight ends can be really effective. And if Clemson can do that they will be fine because now, as you said before, 
Powell is a guy who can take the top off the defense. So you got to be aware. You can't just say, okay, because he actually he got with Notre Dame last time they played. Mm-hmm. He had a really good game against Notre Dame. So you better believe they're going to be like, hmm, yeah, we're going to have to do something with this number 17 because it can be dangerous. So, yeah, um, all those there, all those factors in, would I be surprised if Clemson beats them by two touchdowns? I really wouldn't be. I really wouldn't be. I, I think, like you said before, there was a combination of things that went really well for Notre Dame in that game. And they played lights out. Ian Book played the best game he's played in a while. Because I remember the first time we played him, he looked like a deer in headlights. He didn't know what he was doing. And, you know, he was getting popped and everything. He was fumbling the ball. And honestly, nothing against Ian Book. I just don't think he can pass around the yard like that. You know, I just don't I just don't think he's that guy. But he seems to be a winner and he's playing well. But I think if you get after him and you understand that you cannot let him escape out of the pocket, you have a good chance. You have a really good chance. Yeah, and you said the key thing with him is he's a winner. And yeah. um his teammates kind of rally to that and you can tell that and they believe in him and that makes a big difference with the quarterback, as you know. And uh, when you got a quarterback that you know is a winner, it's it makes it difficult for another team. But you know, Clemson's got a quarterback too that's a winner, and uh, they they feel the same way when that guy's in there. He's and, a winner, and he's uber talented. Right. He can make those throws. Yeah, Ian book, book, book is not uberly talented. He's a good runner. He's a really good college. Um, quarterback kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Connor Shaw. Mm-hmm. That's exactly who he reminds me of. If you let him, if you let him escape that pocket and can run around, he's trouble. He will give you headaches. He'll give you headaches. And at that time when Clemson used to play South Carolina, one of the issues was Clemson wasn't that great on defense. It wasn't that great on defense. It had nobody who was dynamic, who can rush the passer and cause them problems. When you can rush a guy like that and you can keep him in the pocket, normally they have trouble, especially passing the ball down the field. So when you try to blitz him and get at him and you don't get that blitz there, then you give him opportunities. And then that momentum just carries on. And, you know, after a while, you know, he throws the ball downfield, makes plays. I I, I think if Clemson is very sound, and they and Clemson plays. I, I always put it this way: if Clemson plays their best, Notre Dame plays their best. I really feel like Clemson will win. Yeah, I think Clemson's two touchdowns better if they play their best than Notre Dame plays their best. I really do. Nothing against Notre Dame. I think they're a very good football team, but I think when Clemson's on and they play the best they can play, there's nobody better in country. I mean that. I mean, there's Alabama's not better. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I've seen Clemson when they've played their best. Look at that Miami game. You know, and then really you can argue they didn't play their best because they had breakdowns and special teams in that game. But offensively and defensively, they played their best in that game. And that was really a 42-3 to kind of game instead of 42-17. Let's be honest. You know, the special teams allowed Miami to to have those others. That was a 42-3 to kind of game. They just were dominant. And then, you know, what you saw that first quarter against Pittsburgh. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. That was a – I was just saying that was a pissed off team. They showed that and they they came out there and played their best and were up 31 to nothing before anybody even sat down. Um, that's that's how good they can be 
when they're hitting all cylinders. Now, the thing is, they haven't done that all year. They've been inconsistent. They've had some slow starts. Um, but I, I got I just can't I just think with Dabo and the team getting healthy now at the right time, he's gonna push those buttons. And I just think they're gonna be ready to go when the ball's kicked off um that ACC championship game. Well, yeah, I can see that too. I mean, this is a, a team not only talented, but they've been there uh, several times before. And I think when you have a team who's experienced victories that try to play them again, it's going to be tough. Um, the the example I always give is the Denver Broncos. We played them the year they won the, the Super Bowl. We played them in a the regular season, like maybe three games before the playoffs started. And we totally beat them down. But then we had to play them again. I was a little concerned because I knew they didn't really play their best game against us. And a good team, if you beat them, they're going to come back determined to play better. I feel that that's where Clemson is. They didn't play their best. They had some guys that were down. Now they're coming into this game. They got extra motivation, extra energy to show Notre Dame that we're still the best team in the ACC. So I see them coming in that way. I, I really do. I see them playing with a lot more energy and just they're going to execute a lot better. And this is going to be a dog fight for both teams. But I see Clemson coming in there saying, okay, we lost you guys once before. We're not trying to do that again. We're not trying to lose you guys again. And that's a real thing when you're talking about uh, a good team. When a good team loses and they got an opportunity to play you again, trust me, they're going to play better. And I think they are, man. And <clears throat> I know we. the good thing is we get to break this down even more next week and as we get closer to this game. And it's going to be fun. Uh, man, uh, I know we got to get out of here. Uh, you got some things you got to do. Obviously, I do too. But, uh, man, it was fun again. And uh, we'll get ready now for next week. And uh, as the Tigers try to uh, make it uh, six straight ACC championships um, and the as they play Notre Dame next championship game, Levon. Uh, thanks, buddy, and uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll talk at you next week. All right, Will, man, be good, man. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, brother. All right, man. So I'm Will Vanderboy. That's Levon Kirkland. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, please keep listening. Download us. You know what we do. Appreciate everything you guys do, and uh, we'll see you next time on Inside Clemson Football with Levon Kirkland. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.